0: Well, thank you for joining us this morning. Would you open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16? As today, we're going to be talking about a holy calling. See, each one, each believer in Christ Jesus, God has placed a calling. Now, I don't know how long you've been around church or around Christians, but there is a term or a concept that's often been misused overused and abused. And that term is calling or called. Oftentimes we refer to it like a it's a personal call. Like, oh, I just feel called to be a millionaire for Jesus. Or oh, I feel called to live out in a portlock, right? Or I feel called to win a Grammy for Jesus. I feel called to Um, minister in the urban context. I feel called to missions. Uh, You know, funny story, while I was in Bible college, there was a fellow student who was really taking a liking to a a girl and he just had a major crush. He was just like crushing on her and was really into her. He was like telling everybody, oh, I'm going to marry that girl. I'm going to marry her. Anyways, and he felt called and he felt a calling to marry her. And so he was trying to you know, engaging conversation, trying to get her to go out on a date with him, and he, he even fasted and prayed, and one day he approached her and said, you know, I really feel called to marry you. I have this calling that I would be your husband and you would be my wife. And I feel like the Lord is telling me that I should just like uh, like walk around the walls of your heart seven times, just like Jericho, and the walls would crumble down, and the yoke would flow down that's been broken, and it would just, the yoke would flow down. Um, Yeah, that didn't work out too well. Girl, run away, okay? Because that dude doesn't know how to interpret scripture. First of all, <laughs> he has a very allegorical interpretation of the Bible, but Secondly, I mean, yoke, Y-O-K-E, it's something that you put on your neck. Well, Corinthians says, don't be equally yoked with an unbeliever, not like an egg yolk that would break, Y-O-L-K. But all that to say is that, you know, oftentimes people have a misconstrued sense of calling and we have a, a overemphasized personal call like individual specific call for our lives where we don't focus on the basics of the general call upon our lives. And in 1 Peter 1, 14-16, we're going to go through um, a calling to holiness and obedience, and this is holy calling. So would you open your Bibles and turn to uh, 1 Peter 1, 14-16? Let's go ahead and read. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we invite you right now, would you give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, Lord, give us a heart to understand, to welcome your word as God breathed, that is inspired. Lord, I pray, Father, that we would come to terms of who you are. Lord, I pray right now for a renewal of mind so that there will be transformation. I pray, Lord God, for a refreshing of heart so that our love for you would increase and grow. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there are two types of calling in the Bible. The first is a general call, which is for all believers. It's a universal call. Uh, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 9 says, God has called us into fellowship with His Son. See, God didn't just call us so that we could have uh, pass to heaven or get out of hell card, right? But God called us into what? Fellowship, into koinonia. So each and every single believer in Christ Jesus that has ever lived, ever existed, for these past 2,000 years, there's a calling to have fellowship and closeness with the Son. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse seven, it says that God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. Every believer for all times, for all days, in all circumstances, God has called us to be holy 1 Corinthians 7.15 says that God has called us to peace, that we're not to be at enmity or in friction and have irreconcilable differences, but we are to be at peace with everyone. Uh, Colossians 3.15 says that we've been called to one body. So these are the general, universal calls that God has put in our place upon our lives, but there's specific individual call. If you look through the Bible where there God calls or he beckons and reveals himself to a person, to a specific time, a place, and a purpose. If you think about um, Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, Moses was called to a place that he was supposed to leave his land and go to the land where God has called him to be. Or if you look at Esther, right for such a time as this, God has called you to marry the king. And you know, God has called different functions, right? Different, some are called to be administrators, some are called to be evangelists, some are called to be pastors, some are called to be teachers. So we all have a specific individual call, but oftentimes we focus and we get so short sighted and parochial on our individual call that we neglect our general call. For every believer, the fundamental things, and this is what I want to. This is what I want us to uh, live out this morning. Would you write this down? Here's the main point. Here's the takeaway: obedience and holiness are marks of a genuine Christian. Let me say that again: obedience and holiness, these are marks of a genuine Christians. Sometimes we overemphasize the specifics that we overlook, the basics, the foundational, the fundamental things that we must do at all times in all circumstances. You know, I was watching a video uh, earlier this week uh, about a a college coach. Um, It was early 2010s and this was at the Prime of Kobe Bryant's career, and so he heard about the maniacal discipline and workouts that Kobe Bryant had. So he said, "Hey Kobe, could I kind of shadow and see, uh, watch you do your practice?" He goes, "Yeah, meet me six a.m. at the gym." So uh, this coach was like, "Okay, I'm gonna beat Kobe Bryant in his game. I'm not gonna be there at six. I'll be there at five, an hour early." Guess what? Kobe was there at four in the morning, and he was already there when. The coach got there. Kobe was already drenched in sweat, you know, heartbeat being fast, already labored breathing. But to his surprise, Kobe was doing something that knocked the coach off his feet. Kobe was doing basic drills right hand, right to left, right to left, right. And he was focused and he was intense. And then after that, he went to the left hand. And he just focused on those drills and he's already at that time he's been doing rudimentary basic fundamental drills for over two hours and the coach was like you know he waited and after the workout was done around 10 you know kobe's worked out you know almost six hours at that point um he asked kobe hey um kobe you're the best basketball player on earth on the planet earth why are you doing basic fundamental drills and exercises that I teach my elementary and junior high kids? They... And Kobe responded with this. It's because I do the basic and fundamental drills that I am the best basketball player on earth. See, as Christ followers, we need to get back to the fundamentals Oftentimes we get caught up in personal calling and um, individuals, you know, in the name of evangelism. Being a Christian in America now has boiled down to a decision that at one time I said yes to Jesus. I went to church, you know, the music was very moving. I saw other people walking down and raising their hands. And I was like, oh, might as well raise my hand. And, you know, I'm a Christian. But their life has no effect of them or there's no evidence of them being born again or we mis- misunderstood what a Christian is maybe from culture we think a Christian is someone who serves or someone who gives or who tithes or he volunteers or maybe they have the he is greater than I sticker on their or blessed sticker on their bumpers in their car or they have a worship playlist from Spotify and oh that's a good Christian. But fundamentally, God has called you and me, every believer, for all times, in all situations, that we should walk in obedience and in holiness. Our text says that God has called us to obedience. Now, I have two takeaway points for us uh, this morning. Number one, would you write this down? Don't slip back to evil desires and ignorant ways. Don't revert to. Jesus says, you know, if you go back to your sin, it's like a dog going back and eating its vomit, right? So don't slip back to evil desires and ignorant ways. Let's read verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. It says right there, this word, do not be conformed, it means to form or mold one's behavior in accordance with a particular pattern or set of standards. It means you sh- to shape one's behavior or conform to one's life. Have you ever noticed uh, that sometimes the way you talk, or the way you act, or the way that you behave, it changes, or it mutates, or it adapts and conforms to the people you're hanging out with. And sometimes we we adapt subconsciously. For example, when I go to uh, California and visit family, my kids notice. I was like, Dad, in Hawaii you say brah ho brah right brah but in california you say bruh bruh what you doing bruh or we say bro bro what's up you know but here in hawaii it's like ho brah and then when i move when i uh, get back home then it switches back to brah you know um you ever notice you talk to your high school friends um, and when you talk to them you know your your pigeon is a little bit thicker just to show that like hey Uh, I'm still, you know, still local boy. This is still me. But when you go to a professional environment, right, at work, or you go uh, maybe to a college reunion, if you went to the college in the mainland and you go around with your mainland friends, you know, you enunciate more, right? You pronounce words properly. Like you don't have a non-rhotic, meaning no R, right? That you actually pronounce the R, Well, Peter here, um, he's saying that, hey, don't conform, don't go back to the way that you were. Don't go back, don't change, whether it's subconsciously or intentionally and trying to impress people. Don't, hey, you're God's obedient children. God is our Heavenly Father, we are part of His family. And God has called you and me to be obedient children and to be vigilant not to conform, not to mold to the way that we were. And two areas that we're not to conform to or slip back to. One is evil desires. This Greek word uh, epithumia means it's a strong desire to have what belongs to someone else. Or to engage in an activity that is morally wrong. In Acts chapter 20, verse 33, Paul says, Hey, I have not coveted, I have not epitheliaed anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, this is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Anyone who looks at a woman, epithelia, lustfully, desires or coverts after her has already sinned. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9, that those who walk away from Christ have many foolish desires. These are desires that are foolish. And it says, Do not gratify the desires of the body. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So in other words, don't slip back to the desires to the priorities to the ambitions that you had bc days don't go back to um what is the root of all evil don't go back to the love of money where it was all about money 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 like everything was about hustling and getting that money and accumulating and spending and fun and being this hedonist and enjoy everything Money is a terrible owner, but it's a good worker if you use money to serve you. Don't go back to the ways of of coveting. Uh, Just hashtag real talk here. If I could talk to us about parenting. Sometimes we only do what we know. And don't go back. Don't slip back to your former ways of, man, this is how my dad especially if you were raised in a household where your mom or dad were not Christ followers, where there's harshness and anger and yelling and revenge. It's like, oh, you disrespect me? I'm going to disrespect you, right? Uh, That the sense of um, passion and evil desire, um, Peter says, as obedient children... Don't slip back. Don't conform. Don't mutate to the way that you were raised. You've been raised to a new. You've been born again to a new way of life in Christ Jesus. Second way is ignorant ways, ignorant ways. Uh, it means to not have information about, or to not know about, or to be unaware of something, or to be ignorant of it. I love how the New Living Translation. Um, Translates this phrase, um, Agneo, they translate it, you didn't know any better. These don't go back to the times that you did not know any better. About uh, two years ago, my sister uh, was at my parents' house and just kind of combing through some shoeboxes worth of pictures. And she took a picture of this. Wow, (laughs) Um, look at that cool guy right there. I mean, I just thought like I was so cool. I had a peach fuzz mustache. I had this baggy double vested suit. I had that kid and play high fade pompadour. And I was, I never smiled, but I always wanted to look tough because you know, I wanted to look hard and tough on the exterior, right? I was like, oh man, but I I didn't know any better. I thought that was the way to do it, right? And these were times of ignorance. How can we apply this? Um, if I could just talk to parents or grandparents, um, don't slip back to times of ignorance before you knew Christ. Even if you, your parents knew Christ, but you know i grew up uh, you know immigrated from the philippines may of 1988 so i have this immigrant mentality of work ethic of you know work till because you have a this is the land of opportunity and you could make something of yourself where it crosses over into performance based not grace based If you've been redeemed now by the blood of Jesus, the way that you parent is not through performance. That if you do good, I love you. If you do good, my hand is on you. If you do good, if you get good grades, my approval is on you. It's like, no, I love you no matter what. If you do good, if you do bad, my love for you is constant because God's love for me is constant. And because I receive and I live and I breathe on God's love for me, that is how I'm going to parent you. You know, there was a lady at our church who just kind of with regret after attending our church for a couple of years. She, you know, she's Asian and she raised kids and she's like, man, I can't believe, you know, one of my kids, I told him, I'll let you, we'll pay for your driver's test, your driver's permit test, right? And uh, driver's classes, if you get, only if you got straight A's. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting the best for your kids and aspiring for your kids, but to deprive your kids of the rite of passage and the joy of driving and independence because you want them to get straight A's. That's, man. And she's like, ah, Pastor, I just didn't know any better. And Peter says here, don't slip back, don't conform to your evil desires but also your times of ignorance. You didn't know any better. You thought you know, your main job was to provide for your family. You didn't know any better but now you do that you are to be present and you're to be intentional and you're supposed to play with your kids and spend time with them, help them do their homework, build relationship with them, Sabbath with them and When we we do this, we are walking in the newness of life in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Number two, would you write this down? Honor your heavenly father and reflect his holiness. Honor your heavenly father and reflect his holiness. So for children characterized by obedience, it indicates that they belong to a family and they belong to the family of God, and that we are dependent members to God's family. Remember 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, right? Um, through the obedience of, for the obedience of Jesus Christ the Son, that God is our heavenly Father. And as obedient children, We look to God to provide. Look at verse 15. But as He, as obedient children, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Now let me be perfectly clear here we pursue holiness and we strive for holiness, not because we want to be saved, not because we want to be loved, not because we want God's approval. Listen, it's because we are saved. It's because we've been born again. It's because we we have an inheritance that's in heaven. It's because we've been redeemed. It's because we've been forgiven. Then we could live in holiness. Remember Ephesians 1 Peter 1, 3 to 14, it's a one sentence, praise unto God, that Peter tells them who they are in Christ before he tells them how to behave in this life. And we have to remember, guys, that holiness, it's God's primary character. Revelation, it says that angels all day And all night, they sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was and is and is to come. In other words, it doesn't say, love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty, or mercy, mercy, mercy is the Lord God Almighty, but he says, holy, The the Hebrew word is kodesh, meaning it's uh, set apart, that God is uncreated, that He is other than, that He is unique, that He is separate from from everything and anything else. And this calling uh, to holiness, it's grounded on three things. Let's just go through this real quickly. The first is the calling to holiness grounded in creation. Look at Genesis chapter 1 Verse 14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. There's an old uh, rabbinic uh, tradition or midrash or interpretation that what God solely focused on on the fourth day was separate, was to distinguish, was to set apart. What did God do in the first day? He created light and darkness. What did God do in the second day? He created the water and the sky. What did He do in the third day? He created the land, which is the dry ground, and He the water, which is the seas, and He created vegetation, that whatever uh, seed would bear fruit and But in day four, what did God do? We just read it. God separated the lights from the heavens to separate the day and to separate from the night. All that God did in the fourth day was to separate day from night to mark seasons and days and years and months. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. So from the very creation, God, there's an intrinsic sense of separation and God created us to be holy and to be set apart. Secondly, uh, this idea of covenant. Why are we to be holy? Because we enter into a covenant relationship with God. Look at Leviticus 11.45. For I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy, because I am holy. Why are we to be holy? Because God is holy. But what is the, what is the grounds for that? That God brought us up from Egypt meaning God set us free from bondage, from slavery, from sin. And because, and the purpose that God set us free is so that we could enter into relationship, that He would be our God, that we would be the sheep of His pasture, that He would be the Good Shepherd. We entered into this uh, promised relationship, this covenant relationship with God. And in this covenant relationship, covenant relationship it is maintained by holiness to God being separate for God because of who God is it's similar to a a wedding vow and how that you're faithful and that you would love your spouse that you'd forsake all others that you would separate yourself from other relationships um, that is not your spouse your husband or your wife and thirdly is a calling to holiness, is this character. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the peoples, that you should be mine. The essence of holiness is that God, He is separate, that He is other than, that He's unique, He's uncreated and it says in leviticus that i have separated you from all the peoples i have distinguished you i have divided you i have demarcated you i've set you aside and that's what god holiness is that god set us aside that everybody else is doing this but i'm going to do this everybody at work is stuck is talking stink about the supervisor, but I'm going to keep my mouth and not meddle into business. Everybody else is stealing or cheating in their taxes and gossiping, but I'm not going to live. I'm going to live by integrity. Everybody else is, you know, going, doing whatever they want on Sundays, but I'm going to be set apart. And that is a day unto the Lord for worship. And so... Uh, I'm just going to wrap this up with uh, just three call-to-action points for holiness, okay? Number one is time. I'll make it simple. We're, God's called us to holiness in time, talent, and treasure. Three Ts. Number one is time. And the way that we can apply that today, this morning, is to Sabbath unto the Lord Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath. Remember it and keep it what? Holy. Six days you shall work, but one day you are to rest. What does it look like to Sabbath? It looks like this. Four, four aspects. First is you stop. That's what Shabbat means. It's to cease. There's this cessation and you stop from work. Paid or unpaid work. Work that drains you. Work that feels like work. Okay? Uh, secondly, you rest. Maybe you sleep in. Maybe you, you take a nap. Maybe you do things that, that fill your tank and uh, read a book. Uh, watch, Go to the movies. All right? But you just kind of rest. All right? Third is uh, delight. Meaning do things that just kind of Gives you joy. Go have a date night with your husband, right? Go on a date night with your wife. Go on a family movie night. Uh, Go out to brunch. We drink some mimosas, pinkies up, right? And just enjoy. Go to the beach. Go for a walk. Go around Diamond Head, right? Go on a hike. Go to Manoa Falls. Just do things to delight in God's creation. Listen to the sound of the waves. Look at the sky sky and the clouds. Look for rainbows. Just delight. Stop what you're doing and be still before God. And lastly is contemplate. Contemplate. Do extended time of devotions. Don't be rushed. If you're not doing five chapters or your daily devotions, just do one, one verse. Contemplate on that. Go through the Psalms. Secondly, is talent. Uh, serve God and maximize your gifts. Okay, serve God and maximize your gifts. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Listen to me clearly your talents, your giftings, your abilities shouldn't be all used up just for work, but you should also utilize that for the kingdom of God. You can't be a contributor at work, and when it comes to church, you're just a consumer, and you just sit back. In the same way, you don't exhaust all your resources and your creative juices and and your energy and effort and gifts all at work so that the time you come home, you're emptied and drained. You have nothing left but fumes for family or fumes for your spouse or fumes uh, for the church, just getting the leftovers. Live in holy set time aside, not only to Sabbath with your time, but in your talent, in your giftings. Some of you, you have giftings that need to be utilized for the kingdom of God. Some of you have creative minds, are so artistic, or you know how to build teams, you know how to manage systems, uh, you're good with people, you're good with administration, utilize those gifts, use your uh, you know, business degree and, and help the church and serve the kingdom of God. And lastly is treasure, which is to... How could you live in holiness? Give cheerfully. Uh, Second Corinthians nine, seven says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, what you have separated, okay? Uh, This is for mortgage, this is for electricity bill, this is for the internet bill, this is for car insurance, this is for gas, this is for groceries, you set it apart. But you should set aside in holiness, as a people of God, not just to consume everything, all your, pay- not just consume all your resources in your paycheck, but listen, set it aside as an offering first fruits, uh, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So decide in your heart, separate it, have holiness in your money, in your resources your time, talent, and treasure as obedient children. Don't conform to your evil desires and your times of ignorance, but be holy, for God is holy. Be holy in all your conduct, in all ways of life. Amen? Well, why don't we, we prepare our hearts and let's receive our communion this morning. All right, you, you guys have your elements ready? So if we could come before the Lord, let's pause. Let's breathe in the goodness of God. Let's exhale anything that's not of the Lord. And think and remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid so that we can be set free. And the purpose that He set us free is so that we could live in holiness. So that we won't be shackled and bound and enslaved by our past, enslaved by our sinful nature, enslaved by the things of this world, But we could be free, we've been set free, so that we could live free as a people of God. God has called us to obedience and to holiness. And examine yourself in time, talent, treasure. Lord, is there any areas in my life where I'm not living in holiness? Maybe it's my thought life. Maybe it's uh, the music I listen to. Maybe it's the words that I say. Maybe it's the people that I've been hanging out with. But ask for forgiveness. Ask for God to cleanse. Uh, We are to examine ourselves before we partake. So... The Bible says, For I received from the Lord, which I now deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, He took the bread, He broke it, He blessed it, He gave thanks, and He said, This is my body broken for you. Eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we remember your broken body. We remember the sacrifice on the cross. So Lord, I pray that as we eat of this broken body, of your broken body, that you would bring wholeness. Lord, your body was broken so that we could be full and complete. Lord, you have come to give us life and life to the full. Lord, you were condemned so that we can be accepted. You were forsaken so that we can be loved. So as we eat this bread, O Lord, I pray for nourishment. I pray for strength. I pray for resolve. Lord, I pray for desire, Lord, to walk in obedience and to live in holiness as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and eat all the bread. Amen. In the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink of this as often as you eat, for as often as you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's proclaim the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus, and let's drink the cup together. Amen you guys. Well thank you so much for tuning in. If you're able we'd love to have you join us for live in-person service 5 p.m. at the Academy Learning Hub in Aina Haina. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you. Have an amazing week.